Rob, uh, we've had a bunch of racing since we were last on. We were last on talking about Vanderpoel taking Paris-Roubaix, and now we've uh, kind of changed tact towards uh, Holland. And uh, first up, we've had the Amstel Gold Race. In fact, Amstel Gold Race wasn't really on my radar um, until Vanderpoel won it. It was uh, several years ago. I guess he wasn't on my radar either. Um, I know he had won a few prior to his win there, but that's when he announced himself, at least to me anyway, um, that he's a proper, proper contender. And uh, for those who, of you who can't remember, um, that was when uh, in, it must have been, I don't know, let's see. Well, 2021? No, 19, was it? No, it could have been 21, actually. Yeah, it can't have been that long ago. Yeah. I think 21, yeah. He brought up, I don't know, four or five riders um, to the front group of absolute superstars of that time anyway, and uh, just went over the top as if they weren't there and uh, just just went for the win, and uh, which he got. And so that's Amstel Gold for me anyway, at least uh, that's what brought my attention to it and that's what brought my attention to Van der Poel. And he hasn't really stopped winning since then. And um, But he wasn't here today, or at least for this year's edition. Um, there was only one real winner. And uh, <laughs> Rob, break it down. Yeah, Sam, it's the gold, like you say, pretty synonymous with Van der Poel's uh, amazing performance when he won it, uh, just destroying Alaphilippe in full sang. Um, but yeah, this year, I think coming into it, Tadej Pogacar being the massive odds-on favourite and definitely living up to that billing, Amstel Gold sort of um, so, some some rough sections, but just generally a very hilly one-day race um, in the Netherlands. And yeah, Pogacar essentially at about 30k to go, just really blowing the race up. I mean, he punctured and had to chase back on. Then soon after, he was attacking and, uh, yeah, just destroyed the group. There were some and questions ten... about that puncture, uh, Rob. Was it a puncture or was it a... uh, Some questions, like that he just went for the bike change and uh, some rumours about there being a motor in that one. But... No, I'm joking. I'm joking. That was, <laughs> that's when he started going for a bit, yeah. I thought I hadn't seen hadn't seen it. Just about it. <laughs> no, I'm joking, Rob. I'm joking. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right. He, he rode away, um, and at points he was with Pidcock alone. Um, just rode him off the wheel. Uh, it, it kind of uh, becomes a theme. Um, riding Pidcock off the wheel. He, he seems like um, the best of the rest in a sense. He, he did uh, end up third. Pidcock did. Um, ben Healy, uh, Pippenham. Um, another another great ride from him as well. Ben Healy, we'll talk about him. Um, but yeah, Pogacar effectively riding away and uh, taking the win in Amstel Gold, and that sets him up um, for the rest of the races. But uh, let's dive into Ben Healy. Um, bit of an unknown for myself, anyway. Um, young, young, talented EF rider. Um, has he done anything else, Rob? Uh, well, yeah, he's actually, I, I kind of semi know him. My brother used to be on the under 16 uh, mountain bike program with him and stayed over his house, which is quite funny. Um, so yeah, we always in our family get excited when he does well. I think, I, I think, uh, he did really well at Grant's Appeal before getting second there as well. I think That's it's, right. it's quite clear he can't, can't sprint, um, but really solid at just, just riding consistently hard. And uh, I, I, this is a big step up for him. Um, I mean, 
he lost to Pogaccia. But if you look at the time gaps, he's 40 seconds behind Pogaccia, and then it's 2 minutes 14 to Pidcock, who outsprints Andreas Kron and Alexi Lutsenko. And th- yeah. this is this is it's not 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 the best field ever for a one day race, but there are not many men who could have beaten Ben Healy this day. Um, and it was just just a fantastic ride from him. I think he had the discipline to let Pogaccia and Pidcock go. Pidcock kind of blew himself up a little bit. I, I didn't think Healy quite had that explosiveness. I think Pidcock was obviously able to hold on to Pogaccia when Pogaccia attacked longer than Healy was, but. Um, yeah, Ben just dropping, dropping Pidcock and taking a nice solo for second, and yeah, really announcing himself. He's a young guy. I think he's uh, he's over twenty one, twenty two. Definitely born in the year two thousand. Um, oh, twenty two, yeah. I so, yeah. so yeah, I think so. This this will be his first year out of under twenty three, and he's he's you know making that mark. Uh, been in the world tour for a few years now, but yeah, really. Something special, and uh, they're probably going to be the next big thing coming out of Ireland. That's for sure. And interesting to see where his career goes from here. He's done some good, good time trials. I think as a junior and under twenty three, putting some solid time trials. Not really seen it too translated yet in a world tour level, but um, yeah, for sure, I think he can. Be interesting to see where it goes. I don't think GC contenders out of the question for him one day. Um, Clearly climbing well. Like I said, I think he's, he's done good time trials in the past. So, yeah, interesting to see where he goes with it. Yeah, he's a nice lightweight rider, six, uh, give or take 65 kg. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, second place in Brabantzabil, second place in Amso Gold, which is a hilly race, of course. Um, and then we'll talk on to Flesh Wallone and Liege later on, which he does uh, really well in as well. So, um, excellent result for him and uh, certainly someone to look out for. And uh, talking to um his team team manager uh or rather listening to him on thursday uh jonathan Walters said he'll be at the giro as well um perhaps picking up a uh, stage win or two maybe maybe but back to the race um Bogata, uh picks it up and uh that sets him up for the next race then which then came to uh, let's see flesh will on yeah flesh will on um, a race kind of even more so than Milan San Remo that you can really tune in for just the end for a race very very standard format I think it's fair to say definitely in the men's editions um, in that everyone just comes to the bottom together and then there's quite a short steep hill at the end and this is this for me really determines who's the best puncher in the world for the year and um, yeah there's quite a lot is to do with positioning it's quite narrow so you have to be well positioned to into it. I think that helps a lot. You can lose the race in the positioning, but yeah, you can't win it through the positioning. But you can you can gain a lot by having a good team getting in, you in there well. And you know, UAE, I feel they've really stepped up supporting Pagacha this year, and he came into it in a in a fantastic position. And yeah, from there, I think again, Pagacha the big favourite for this race as well. Sort of lacking a real exciting challenges for him it was hard to see who'd really challenge him i think some people are expecting good things from pidcock um but yeah you're kind of missing roglic i uh, don't really have an on-form alaphilippe this year and you know with no like finger guard or or roglic here either again no it's kind of hard to see who the challenge of him would be but um yeah pagacha 
essentially taking the win there as well. Roman Bardet looking strong earlier on on the slope and uh, Matthias Scalmoza taking quite an impressive second place. And him, he's really been a really standout rider this year. Someone really coming through, one of the younger guys at Trek. Trek, I think, is quite under the radar, having actually a very good good season. They don't have any mega superstars, but they're consistently doing well in a lot of races. A lot of their guys really stepping up. Mikel Lander putting in yeah, a really surprising good... surprising third race, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't see Lander coming. Like, uh, he's definitely meant for for longer climbs, so I think he's he's having a really good year this year, Lander, and this, this solidified that. Uh, Chicone also in fifth place for Trek, and Michael Woods for Canada in fourth. And yeah, no real crazy surprises here. Quite a stand race. Probably just got a decent decent result coming in sixth. Yeah, Victor Lafay's been a solid rider all year, and yeah, sort of. Yeah, I mean, Coffer is doing well as a team this year as well. A lot of lot of success for them. Just you know, they're not a big budget team, fresh up to the World Tour this year, but. Yeah, Lefay looking really good coming in in sixth, and you know he's had other good results this year. Looking, uh, looking strong in Terreno Adriatico as well. So, so yeah, it'd be interested to see if he stays at Cofidis or whether whether bigger contracts lie elsewhere. But, but yeah. So that sets uh, Tade up for the double Ardennes double, and um, perhaps one of very few who would be up for the treble. Uh, but it wasn't to be. Um, it was billed to be a head-to-head. Between Tade and uh, Venipol, uh, with the world champion last racing with one another um, at the world champs, actually. Uh, Remco, however, takes the win at Liege, Baston Liege, the longest and um, the most historic of the of all the classics, rather, it's the oldest of the all uh, of the classics. And um, yeah, Tadej Pogacar, um, not not much is known as to how he crashed. It's just, uh, from what I've heard, is the rider in front and EF rider had both his tyres um, flattened at the time. And uh, Tadej Pogacar had nowhere to go other than into the back of him. But I also heard he had a puncture as well at the same time. So I'm not sure what's going on essentially, Rob. Um, do you have more on the crash? Uh no, well yeah, I'm not really too sure what happened on the crash sort of before live coverage of the race started. So so yeah, it's clearly in the early phase of the race and this race being built as the first time we'd see uh Pogaccia up against Remco. Remco's looked fantastic this year, so it looked a really great duel between the two of them, but yeah, no, not too sure what happened in the crash. Mikel Honore, uh the EF rider going down, apparently suffering with a, a concussion. Um, but yeah, Pogaccia wrist broken pretty badly. Um, operated on, I believe, the same day. Um, so obviously they're trying to, you know, it's it's late April now. It's not too long before the tour, and this is this is a serious blow to the whole cycling season, especially for UAE. As um, yeah, it's, it's definitely at least going to hamper Pogaccia's um, Tour de France chances and. I think very very slight chance it might mean he's a DN he doesn't start it but I'm not sure he'll be be fine no, already start the tour by then but Rob it's, but, yeah. it's a wrist injury and uh, he's very he's very um, jolly about it on on his uh, active Instagram account and whatnot and uh, we're told about six weeks and with the fact that 
there's no indoor training and all the rest of it. I'm sure he'll be on his bike way before that, at least indoors anyway. Um, he was probably due arrest. <laughs> probably. <He> definitely. <laughs> probably due arrest. So uh, personally, I don't think, uh, as long as there's no complications, of course, um, I don't think it'll hamper his his uh, preparations. In fact, I, I think it might be it might be good for him. It, it forces him off the bike. And um, although I was told he was due to take about ten days off anyway, off the bike completely. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, a good enforced break. And um, yeah, it's, it probably stops him from going to altitude. However, but um, yeah, I, I I don't think it will have too much of a um problem for him going forward um i think we'll see him fresher um stronger um but yeah i'm, I'm like you said it's, it's not ideal but we've had uh the likes of who's that scott Ryder who won the paris Bay not long ago matt Heyman. matt Heyman, that's it uh, a very famous yeah. uh, story coming back from injury and going on to win uh, paris Bay out of the blue so um of course his win uh, Tour de France 2023 won't be out of the blue, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it'll be, it'll be, uh, I'm sure this will have a, a place to play in it. But back to the race anyway, um, uh, another repeat story in a sense. Uh, Thomas Pidcock on the wheel of uh, one of the greats, um, but not quite a great himself, but yeah, being uh, ridden off the wheel. But yeah, I'll leave it to you, Rob. Uh, break it down. Yeah. Yeah, so Lara Duke, where, where Remco expected to go, looking pretty vulnerable, really um, not not a dominant display of support from uh, Sudal Quickstep. He still had uh, Jan van Wilder there helping him, but you know there was a lot of riders he could have attacked and Evan Apol would have to have responded to it himself. But definitely the class of this race, there's no doubt. Lara Duke, the climb where uh, Evan Apol attacked last year, he went again. Quite late on, on in the climb for me, I thought he'd go a bit go a bit earlier, but yeah, putting that attack in, um, getting a gap, he gapped everyone. It was only on the descent, Pidcock was able to come back, and you know I think everyone was presuming it was because Pidcock just that fantastic descender, getting a lot out of it in the corner. And when Pidcock closed back up to him, you have to remember in a sprint between Pidcock and Evan Nepal, I think Evan Nepal mm. has improved the sprint this year, but. You know, Pidcock essentially at that point just had to sit on him yeah. and out sprint him at the end and he'd win. If there was a point in the race where I, I really thought Pidcock could do it, um, because I I presumed it would be quite easy for him on the wheel, you know, that the other gradients weren't too hard and he he's got no reason to really pull through all the pressures on Remco to win, not on Pidcock. And it didn't look like it was an attack from from Remco. He asked Pidcock for turn, Pidcock declined and then Definitely wasn't an attack. Uh, Remco just riding hard, and Pickock just just could not hold that wheel any longer on the next climb, and and that was that. To be fair, and we, we've seen with Remco before, he's just so good at time trialing on his road bike. He just so gets so aerodynamic, and can clearly put the power out in that position, and that's exactly what he did. And yeah, he's kind of a class above at that point. Trek well represented. Uh, both Scalmosa and um, Giulio Ciccone having great rides this day, potentially looking that maybe they could work together to close him down. But Remco just so aero, so strong, and just really, really getting away. And I think after Pickup was dropped, the the writing was on the wall. Um, sadly, to be honest, and 
I think we were denied a great race with Pogacar. Uh, I know uh, Lefebvre has said that people won't give Evan Nepal the proper respect because for winning this race because Pogacar crashed out. But uh, for me, I think I struggle to see um, Pogacar not winning had he not crashed. You know, if if Pidcock's held on for the main attack, I I don't see, I don't I don't see um, Pogacar ever getting dropped by it. And I, I think Pagacha versus Evan Apollo in a sprint is only ever going one way, um, unless Remco really has improved his sprint. But you know, Pagacha has always been very, very strong um, sprinting, especially after after a lot of kilojoules burnt. So, so yeah, we were denied that battle. Maybe Remco could have got him in some way, but yeah, I think a bit kind of kind of like Van Aert puncturing out of Roubaix. I think us as the fans are kind of denied the the blockbuster it was set up to be so so yeah absolutely and then uh we we should touch on ben healy again coming in fourth uh we spoke about him early in the podcast um yeah i think he's he's well geared for the Giro coming up uh good result for Grupama as well coming in fifth Cofidis again gillian martin getting sixth um and santiago betrago uh getting uh, a third spot for Bahrain and uh, prior to this uh, Remco uh, Remco's team Sadal Quickstep they were behind uh, Movistar in terms of uh, team classification team points rather um, and uh, considering only the classics have just gone um, that, that would have been quite embarrassing because uh, yeah. of course that's Movistar... actually pretty bad when you say it like that when you yeah, Movistar definitely not known for having scored too many points at this time in the season. So, yeah, that that really is quite a yeah, that's a crazy stat actually. Yeah, I guess uh, you could say Remco has saved their classic season, but uh, I don't think they'd be happy with just just this win. But uh, it's probably no. the best they can get at the moment, and uh, he gets a back to back win, the first in about thirty years, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, that also sets him up. I guess for the Giro, which is in about a week's time, and it's built to be a Remco versus Roglic uh, showdown. Um, who's your? Who are you backing, Rob? Uh, Remco for me. I think he needs quite an explosion in the mountains or a serious issue to not win the Giro. To be honest, uh, Roglic just looked good when we saw them going head to head in stage races earlier this year. Uh, for me, Remco was clearly stronger. He just didn't really use his head too well. Uh, pretty poor tactics at times. Just happy to just ride and just, you know, I, 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 he's a great rider, but you can't always expect to be so great. Your tactic is to just ride hard and hope everyone goes off your wheel. Because uh, Roglic is a, also a great rider, so he, I think he has to get a bit more creative than that at times. Um, but. I think he's better on the climbs, but also the TTs. I'm really concerned about Roglic's TTs, that it's just not up to scratch. I think, I think even like the Roglic clearly is Olympic, Olympic time trial champion, and that that was one of the best, if not the best, um, time trials of recent years. Um, but you know, he's not he's not shown shown a great time trial for a long time for me, and apparently. Since his last surgery, he's been struggling on his time trial bike, which for this Giro, with the amount of TT kilometers, is there is a real issue. Like, like m- most people, most like GC contenders just aren't GC contenders because of the amount of time trial kilometers. Like Remco, 
basically has three or four minutes on a lot of people just because of the flat time trial kilometers before the climbs even start. So I, I think he takes a lot of time out of Roglic in these time trials as well. Um, and yeah, I think unless Remco explodes, I, I think I think this is his Giro to lose. Yeah, but um, Rob is is we were talking about this about a year ago. Remember when uh, we talk about we we spoke about uh, the Giro releasing the how do you say the route early, uh, the fact that he had several several uh, TT stages, and it was basically an open invite for Remco to come, and uh, we spoke about how. He would probably go to the Giro because um, Lefebvre didn't think he's ready for the Tour de France. But what what do you think now? Then, if if you if you were Patrick, would you send him to the Tour de France or are you sticking with the Giro? Uh, no, I I I think it's right for him to come to the Giro. To be honest, I I think he's the third best climber in the world behind. I I think I think Pogaccia and. Uh, Pogacar is a way better climber, and you know Vingegaard might not look it so far this year, but you know the last two years we only see the best Vingegaard at the Tour, um, and I think the Vingegaard on his Tour form and Pogacar are a long way ahead of Remco. I think this is a nice way to build it up to it for him, and given he's so great at time trials, he comes here, and you know if unless Roglic pulls something out of the bag, Remco just has to be consistent. Um, for me here, so I I think and as a team they're struggling. This for me they're like this team's uh, Sudal quick steps taking a a good few steps back these last few years. Their sprinters are still solid but not dominant, and their classics campaign Bar Remco has has gone badly downhill. So for them, I I think you know we say. We say the classic season has been saved by Remco. I think the whole season can be saved by Remco if he if he's to win this Giro as well. So, no, I don't think I'd take him to the tour because I think the best you could expect that would be third with him, to be honest. So, yeah, we'll see next year. If he wins this Giro comfortably, I think he has to go to the tour next year. Um, and, yeah, face the music, which is Vingard and Pogaccia, which is quite a tough ass to beat, but... Yeah, I, I think Lefebvre's playing it right with his talent this year. Yeah, but that sounds like a tasty prospect, um, the three of them going head-to-head next year because they're all so young and it's something that we can look forward to for hopefully many years. Uh, but we'll Could touch go on, on for a while, yeah. yeah. Let's touch on uh, the other potential winners uh, for the Giro. We've only got one defending champion uh, lining up on the start line, uh, Teo Gagan Hart. Um, comes away with uh, 12 of the Alps victory, two uh, stage wins there as well. What What are your thoughts on Teo? Is he Is he a shoe in for third, or is he Is he out of that top five even? What do you think? He's got a uh, solid team uh, with him. Um, so you're talking about Garen Thomas potentially going for it himself, but he's he's in the team. So is Pavel Sivakov and the likes of Timon Aronson. So. Yeah. Uh what what how do you rate his chances? Uh well of, of winning pretty low. No, well um, yeah, but top five, uh, but top of, three, what do you think? I, I think I think third is realistic. Teo's definitely not got a bad time trial, um even in, in comparison to the others. Uh yeah, I think Ineos bring a lot of potential leaders in they've got Sivakov, Aronsman and and Geraint 
Geraint, if can if he's on his Tour de France form of last year, which included the very solid time trial, he can gain a lot there as well. Uh, I think Geraint's time trial, if Geraint is to be on form, is a lot ahead of Teo. But yeah, Teo last few years hasn't looked good, but this year's looked looked really good. Um, and I, for me, would be the favourite for third at this moment if he if he continues the form he showed so far this year. Then uh, yeah, I'd, I'd call him favourite for third, which. Which I think is probably I think third place. If those two don't have any issues, is something he'd take. I think would be a good way of uh, a nice result to cement that first Giro win for sure. Because he's he's definitely struggled for results since then. That's interesting. You put him third because there's the likes of Yao Almeida, Jay Vine. There's Vlasov. There's also Garan Thomas, of course. Uh, Pino, uh, Hugh Carthy, Rigoberto Oran. Uh, not. Not household names, but not not outsiders either for the top three. Um, certainly, they'll make up the top ten, I'm sure. But oh, I, I I wouldn't be so confident in tail. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think Almeida. I think I think yeah, you could probably quite easily argue Almeida's favourite third. Vlasov has had quite a, a shaky year. Um, definitely not not the year he'd have been hoping for so far. Yeah, uh, solid in the time trials that last off, similar to like Teo and also yeah Almeida. Um, yeah, Almeida has actually, to be fair to him, had a pretty solid year so far. Jay Vine not really raced, so hard to know his form. If he's on the some sort of similar trajectory to how he was um, at Tour Down Under, his time trial is, is very solid. Yeah, You've seen absolutely. there uh, winning Aussie national champ in that discipline as well. Now, so uh, Jay Vine can do well, and if he's climbing like if he, he you know if his if his time trials holds up and he's climbing like he was in last year's Vuelta, then he's actually more a realistic challenge to you know Roglic and Evenepoel. But yeah, uh, he's also a good shout for third. I think I think he's he's had he's had a bit of a knee injury. I think is since. He left the UAE tour. He's not raced, and I think I think there might have been a fair bit of time off and inconsistent training in that time. But we'll see. Hopefully, he turns upon good form. Geraint, oh, he looked he looked good in Tour of the Alps, but not not great. Like he could he could do nothing at the Giro. He could come third. I this is a bit out there, but I think if he's on his if he's on the form he was at last year's tour. It's not outrageous to say he could win that race because his time trialing was so good at that point. But I really don't see him being on that form. Um, and even if he was, I think I think Remco might still get him anyway. Um, but but I'd like to see Geraint at his best, but I just don't think he will be having seen him at Tour of the Alps. But saying that, he's he's going to turn thirty-seven as well during the race, and that's. That's an incredible age for the current crop of riders and the fact that we're talking about him now still being in with a chance to win uh, is a testament to the guy because, as we've mentioned, the riders are just getting younger and younger, Rob, and um, the oldies just don't have a chance. They quite literally don't have a chance anymore. It's probably easier for a lot of them to retire than to go into the abyss of no man's land of coming in the top 15, top 20. Um, so kudos to the guy. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is it his last year or 
you think he's going to fight for another? I, I think a lot will come down to this Giro for him, really. It's his last year on on his contract with Ineos, which I think was, as you know, definitely after his, his Tour de France win in 2019, I think he was getting paid three and a half million uh, for the next few years after that contract. I think he's had another contract since then. So I think this year in 2022, I'd imagine he'd have been getting paid a fair bit less. Um, for, he's probably still earning a good whack. Whether he's probably in, probably in well over, probably in between, probably in a 14 mil area, I, I'd imagine, throughout his career. So, whether he really wants another year or two on one and a half, two mil, I don't know. Maybe he probably loves it, to be fair. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The way his inconsistencies throughout the years now, he he's definitely a rider who puts on a lot of weight. Uh, in between his target races, which is basically just one grand tour a year. I'm pretty sure for the last few years, he's only ever tried to peak for one race a year. So, so yeah, that makes me question his motivation. Yeah, I think sadly it could be his last year, but hopefully this is a grand tour for him to go out on a bang to. So, so yeah, we'll see. And hopefully get, get through it injury-free as well. A lot of, you know, Geraint, a very regular crasher and, if I well, if I if I was to bet, I reckon his bone mineral density is quite low, uh, because when he crashes more often than not, there's a broken bone to accompany it. So, so yeah, yeah, absolutely unfortunate, but yeah, it would have been good to see him go for it in the 2020 Giro, uh, where he crashed out on with that rolling bottle. Um, was that 2020? I think it was 2020. Yeah, it was yeah. The COVID year was the year. Yeah, 2020 because yeah. it was the year yeah. year tail one. Yeah. Unfortunate, but yeah, things like that happen all the time. And uh, just before we go out, then Rob, uh, we've got the tour of Romandy going on just as we speak. Um, usually a tune-up race, uh, a race that uh, gets riders into form. But as uh, I, I'm sure you've heard from the riders themselves, it's like no race is easy these days. Um, there is no such thing as a tune-up race where you can just go and chill. And just build up the fitness during the race. It's it's go 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 from the gun, and it's uh, absolutely brutal. And uh, whereas previously you could uh, go uh, have a short break and then be fit for the next ride, uh, you need longer breaks after these brutal races, including small races like the Tour of Romandy. Uh, so anyway, um, who's who's been winning? Who's on the up? And uh, we'll end it after that. Yeah, so um, yeah, climbing wise, Adam Yates is taking a fantastic win today. Probably looking the class of the field, to be honest. But for me, uh, big story, Thibaut Pino looking really good, almost chasing Yates down on on an absolutely brutal final climb. Not quite getting there, but you know, Pino is his last year. Uh, he stated the Giro is the one that's going to be his big target. I think potentially he was just talking about stage wins because his his, his time trial, which we've seen in this race, is you know, is pretty pretty poor. Um, so that puts him out of any any impressive GC result. But yeah, looking like he'll be performing in the mountains and he should definitely be looking for a stage win at least um, at the Giro. Um, uh, Wan Ayuso first competition of the year. Apparently, I think it was tendonitis in his knee which is pretty worrying for such a big star, worrying for UAE, given the amount of years they've signed him for and the amount that of money in that contract. Because, you know, if, if he stays injured, they might basically just be paying a, paying some Spanish bloke 
probably I guess around three four million a year till twenty twenty eight to to do not a lot, but he's he's had an encouraging race. Uh, two really good time trials. Not great today on the climb. He he won the time a hilly time trial yesterday, um, but today yeah yeah he got he got dropped pretty early on on the climb. Um, another rider coming back from injury, Ekin Bernal, uh, I believe coming in around tenth today, which was pretty a pretty good ride. I believe less than a minute down on Yates on on a really tough climb. So good to see Bernal coming back. Don't quite see him being a tour contender this year, but yeah, he's he's not in that sort of Chris Froome sort of realm where he's never going to be competitive at World Tour uh, level again in terms of overall GC classifications. Uh, so good to see Bernal back on the rise. Uh, and other than that, big news for the Brits, another another under-23 superstar coming through, this time in Max Poole, looking absolutely fantastic. Um, getting the better of his teammate, Roman Bardet, and coming in fourth, um, with Caruso, Pino, and Yates just pipping him and taking some real scalps. Really impressive from Max Poole and another GC rider, not at Ineos at DSM. Um, uh, I just really hope he doesn't he doesn't blow up too early. I think I think we've seen for me for me a few of the youngsters at DSM. I feel they they develop a little bit too quickly, and I wish they were given a bit a bit more time. And yeah, I, I just hope Max, like Oscar Onley, who was also there at the race, um, develops at the, an appropriate pace because Max Paul was impressive, so seriously impressive today. So, so yeah, just hoping his development long term is uh, is on the minds of those at DSM because he he's looking like a real talent for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And on that, Rob, we'll be back in a few weeks, uh, probably halfway in the Giro of sorts, and then at the end of the Giro. And uh, that's that. Sweet. Take care, Rob. Cool. All right. Bye.